Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Good morning, Churches of Thrive. It's been a good weekend, hasn't it? God is so good. And I'm reminded this weekend that uh, everything else in our lives, when we take advantage of it, when we experience it, it runs out. But God is limitless. He's infinite. Um, Every time we experience him, there's more, and there's more, and there's more. And we're going to learn about that this morning. I want to introduce our speaker. And if you've been with us this weekend, you already understand how God uses him. Um, it's Dr. Ron Walborn. He serves as the vice president and dean of Alliance Theological Seminary in Nyack, New York. It's the flagship seminary of our former denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, a wonderful institution. And we, he, he just, uh, I could tell you more about his credentials, but I think the main thing you need to know is God uses him. He just uses him. And he's an easy person to listen to. The, the words kind of get past our guard, the fences we put up, and we experience the power of God as this brother is obedient and serves. So as Dr. Walborn makes his way up, I want to ask you to just welcome him up here. A round of applause. Thanks, man. And before he starts speaking, I'm just going to say a brief prayer. Would you join me? God, thank you for our brother. And thank you just for the way that he has answered your call, has come here to be with us this weekend. But even more than him, we thank you for yourself. You are so generous in the way that you give yourself to us. And there's such an abundance and a generosity in you. So we pray, God, that as we hear that there's always more for us, you want more. Lord, we believe it. We receive that. We pray your anointing upon your servant, that he would bring your word to us. He would speak with your voice, with your clarity, with your authority, and with your love. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. I need to get a new picture. When I, when I first walked up to uh, Steve and David, um, Steve, you didn't recognize me, right? Yeah, because that's a fat Ron. This is now the real Ron, okay? Um, actually, I'll tell you this story. So uh, I started gaining weight a few years ago, uh, just a lot of stress, a lot of travel, and it was that never-ending battle. You guys know I'd lose 40, gain 50, lose 30, gain 40, you know, just back and forth. And, uh, and I was over in Vietnam in March, and uh, I was helping uh, the Tinlan Church, which is about 1.5 million Christians in Vietnam, uh, but they only have 400 trained pastors, and we're helping them start a seminary program over there. Um, and I was in the country for about 10 days, and I'm looking around, and I realize I hadn't seen a single person fatter than me. And I went, oh, no, I cannot be the fattest person in an entire nation. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, even though the Vietnamese people are fairly small, but I still, still, you know. And so I, uh, I, I decided I had to go nuclear, and I, I had gastric sleep surgery in March. And some people say, oh, no, never tell. Listen, you just got to be honest. I needed to do something. And I've lost 110 pounds. 
and I'm off all medication. I feel better than I have in 20 years. You know, my wife likes me better. You know, it's just, that's not true. She liked me before too. But, uh, and then I went back to Vietnam to teach a class, and it was one guy in my class. Uh, I'd lost about 80 pounds at that point. This was in September. I said, what do you weigh? And he told me, and I went, yes, he weighed five pounds more than me. So I'm no longer the fattest person in Vietnam. So. Anyhow. Hey, it's been great being with you, and I've really enjoyed getting to know Pastor Steve and Pastor David uh, and the team. And I want to, I know you already prayed, but I want to pray again before we begin. And I want to pray for Pastor David and Pastor Steve, and I want to pray for uh, their staff. Because uh, something you need to realize about pastors, when God gives an office, all we do is recognize it. And, um, And I think you got this office right. These men are pastors. But they're more than pastors over your church. They're gatekeepers over a region. They have spiritual authority to release and to bless. And, uh, and I've loved getting to know them because they're men that embody the kind of leadership we're going to talk about today, uh, releasing the Spirit. God's got more for you. And so, Father, right now, uh, I join the church in this region, and I thank you for the spiritual gatekeepers you've put over not just this church, but over this region. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you now just come upon Pastor Stephen, Pastor David, and their staffs, Lord. Would you fill them? Would you anoint them? Would you refresh them? Would you encourage them right now? Father, in Jesus' name, we push back the attacks of the enemy against them and their families. And we bind in Jesus' name all assignments against them. And we release a fresh wind of vision, a fresh wind of hope, a fresh wind of joy upon their lives, their families, their ministries. No weapon formed against them will prosper. And Lord, you are equipping them for every good work in this next season. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do this morning. We love you. Thank you for what you've been doing this weekend. We, we ask for more, Lord. More, Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord more. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, <clears throat> quite a few years ago now, when I was pastoring in Northern California, I, uh, I had a really strong men's ministry. That was kind of the Promise Keepers era. I don't know if you guys remember the Promise Keepers movement. And our men's ministry was really uh, pretty strong. And they noticed that there were a lot of young men in our church, uh, age 12, 13, and 14, that did not have father figures. Uh, or if they did have father figures, they weren't discipling them, they weren't mentoring them. Um, and, and so the men of the church came up with an idea. And they, they put together this discipleship curriculum for young men, uh, specifically ages 12, 13, 14, right in that age range. And they uh, did some training for fathers to disciple their sons. And if uh, there were young men that did not have father figures, we assigned men to kind of mentor those young men that did not have dads or, uh, you know, didn't have a father in their life. And we started about a 12-week period where the men of our church got real intentional with that age group. And they didn't just do discipleship meetings on a weekly basis. They did fun stuff. They took them bowling. They, you know, did father-son outings. And we closed that, uh, that period with a, uh, a father-son retreat. We went away for a weekend. We called the retreat Boys to Men. We, we spelled a B-O-Y-Z, two, and we stole it from some group, you know. 
And, uh, and it was like a rites of passage weekend. It was just an incredible weekend. And uh, we did seminars on how to be a man of honor and what does it mean uh, to be a man of purity and what does it mean to be a man with a work ethic and just kind of the stuff that young men need poured into them in that moment. And then we closed that, um, that retreat. It was on a Saturday night with a rites of passage ceremony. And we had the men of the church line up in the front of this auditorium we were at. They, they faced each other and they formed like a tunnel. And the young men stood at one end. And then their fathers stood at the other end. And uh, the father or the mentor would say, Bryce Walborn, you are God's beloved son on whom his favor rests. Come forth into your destiny as a man of God. And then that son would walk down this, uh, this tunnel of honor, this, this hall of honor, and the men of the church would lay hands on those young boys and prophesy over them and pray over them and declare the destiny of God over them. It was an awesome night. Well, right, we're in the middle of this. And one of the men of the church, he was one of our elders, his name was John Barker. John was about 80 years of age at the time, and he was highly, highly respected by everyone in that church. Uh, John had uh, been a Marine in World War II. He had stormed the beaches of Iwo Jima. He was a uh, you know, very godly man. And uh, John Barker comes up to me as this ceremony is going on, and he says, uh, Pastor Ron, I want to walk down that hall of honor. And I looked at him and I go, John, what do you want to walk down the hall of honor for? You've lived an incredible life. Your destiny is secure. And he goes, and he gets tears in his eyes. And he says, I want to walk down that hall of honor because God's got more for me. And I believe in this next season of, of my life, I need a fresh anointing for the destiny God has for me. And I don't want to get stuck in the status quo. So I said, okay. So John Barker stands at the end of the hall, and I went, John Barker, you are God's beloved son on whom his favor rests. Come forth into your destiny as a man of God. And this 80-year-old man just lifts his hands, and he starts walking down the hall as the men pray over him. Well, that just ruined everything. Because every guy in the church was like, well, if John got to go, I'm going to go too. We didn't get out of there until like 2 in the morning. You know, everybody's like, I want to go again. You know, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I want to tell you, I mean, that was a really cool thing about, for young men, and, you know, take whatever you want from that, but here's the more important thing. That retreat changed our church, because what happened as a result of that, that period is the men in the church started leaning in, saying, God, you've got more for me, and I don't want to get stuck. I don't want to grow satisfied in the status quo. I want to lean forward. I want to say, God, Would you pour out everything you have for me because we believe that God has more for us? See, I I think what happens, folks, is we get stuck. Uh, We we kind of get in a rut and we grow passive in our walk with God. And and I think the Lord wants us leaning in saying, God, you've got more for me. When I was a kid, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. And we used to have on Sunday nights testimony meetings. And there was this one guy this older man in our church, he used to testify every Sunday night. And he would always testify the same thing. He would stand up, and with the grumpiest look you can possibly imagine on his face, he would go, I praise God that 35 years ago I was saved and baptized and sanctified. And I always wanted to add, and petrified, you know. (laughs) Because, you know, I, I remember watching that guy, and he had no joy. He had nothing that I wanted. And I remember thinking, man, God, there's got to be more than that. And friends, there is. You see, 
the scriptures tell us in Ephesians 5 that we are to be being filled with the Holy Spirit, that the filling of the Holy Spirit is not just a one-time moment, although we do receive and, and encounter God in moments, but there is an ongoing expectancy that life in God is fresh filling again and again and again for every season of our life. I told you yesterday that Martin Lloyd-Jones used to say, I need to be filled with the Spirit every day because I leak. And the truth is we're supposed to leak. We're supposed to leak out his presence and everything that he's put upon us. So this morning, I want to look at the filling of the Holy Spirit through the Scriptures. And I promise we'll finish in about 30 minutes. It's not going to take us till tonight. Um, But I want to do a quick survey and show you this progression of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we think the Holy Spirit only starts to exist in the New Testament in Acts chapter 2, but you see the presence and power of the Holy Spirit upon God's people clear back into the Old Testament. And so uh, I want to start back in Numbers chapter 11, where Moses prays a prayer that every leader uh, has probably prayed. It's a prayer of desperation. And I want to start there, and I want to kind of trace this progression of the filling of the Holy Spirit and, and, and draw some, some lessons for us from this, this progression. In Numbers 11, beginning with verse 10, here's what we read. Num- Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. Now, here's where they are. They had left Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. Uh, God is providing through manna, and he's guiding them. But still they're complaining, still they're whining, okay? So that's the context. And, and Moses is hearing all this. And the Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. And he asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you have put the burden of all these people on me? Now, if you've been in leadership for longer than 10 minutes, you've prayed that prayer. Now, now some of you are going, well, I've never been a pastor. I've never been a leader. Yes, but you've been a dad. You've been a mom. You've had leadership responsibility, and it is not easy to lead people, okay? And if you really want a challenge, become a dean of a seminary and try to herd the cats that call themselves faculty, okay? Uh, That's just incredibly difficult. And so I prayed this prayer. God, I can't do this without you. And so Moses prays this prayer, and then I love his honesty. He almost gets sarcastic in his prayer with God. I love this. He says, did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. That's an honest prayer right there. I I love that, okay? Uh, In fact, if you really love me, just take me home to glory now. That's what he's saying. Now, how many of you have ever believed the lie, God never gives you more than you can handle? That is such a lie. In fact, the truth is he always gives you more than you can handle. You know why? Because he wants to break you of your dependency on yourself and drive you like Moses to him. God, I can't do this alone. There's got to be more. And so Moses cries out, and he, he's saying to God, there's, there's got to be more. I can't carry this on my own. And so the Lord responds and says, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people, and have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand with you there. And I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them, and they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Now, here's where we begin to see the first purpose 
of the Holy Spirit. We'll kind of unpack a little pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit as we walk through this. But one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to help you carry the burden of people so that you don't have to do it alone. Parents, you you don't have to raise your kids without the Holy Spirit's empowerment helping you carry the burden of your family. And it goes for every leadership position. And, And Moses says, okay, he goes down. He told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together the 70 elders and had them stand around the tent. And then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him. And he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on him and he put it on the 70 elders. And when the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied and they continued to do so. Now, there's a textual note here. Uh, Some of your translations say they prophesied, but they did not do so again. But I, I think that's a wrong translation. And I think it's wrong because of the way the Hebrews uh, worded and also because of the context of what happens next. So I want you to notice that in, in the text. Well, what happens next is there were two men whose names were Eldad and Medad. They had remained in the camp. Now, I don't get this. They were listed among the elders. This is the most important meeting of their life, but they don't show up. And they remained in the camp. They did not go out. Yet, here's how good God is. He even shows up on the people that didn't come to church. Okay? He even shows up on the people that don't show up for the meeting. And the Spirit rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. Now, here's where the connection is. And they continued to prophesy. How do I know that? Because a young man ran and told Moses that Eldad and Medad are continuing to prophesy in the camp. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Joshua says, all right, this is now getting out of control. This is now getting out of control, and uh, he had been Moses' aide since youth, and he speaks up and he says, Moses, my Lord, make them stop. Now, let me tell you why he says make them stop. In this era, the Holy Spirit was poured out on one older Jewish man. And there was one guy chosen to be his aide, to walk along his side, and that one Jewish man was the next in line to get the anointing, the coming upon empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But now Joshua is watching as these 68 guys get the Spirit ahead of him. And then there's two guys that don't even follow protocol, and they get the Holy Spirit. And they're getting out of control. They're prophesying. They're continuing to do so. And we're seeing here two models of leadership. And the one model is Joshua saying, this is getting out of control. It has to stop. Because it's moving from exclusivity to inclusivity. And friends, listen, this is the progression of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we see in Scripture. It might start with one old Jewish man, but what we're seeing is that it's going to move from exclusivity to inclusivity. And it's going to spread out. I love what Moses says next. Moses replied to Joshua, are you jealous for my sake? And it's not in the text, but I think Joshua, if he could have answered, would have said, no, actually, I'm jealous for my sake. Because I thought I was the next one. And Moses then responds, and this is the other model of leadership. He says, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. And I think that's a prayer. And Moses prays it. He says, no, let me tell you where this thing has to go. The Holy Spirit is not just for one old Jewish man. The Holy Spirit is not just for you and me, Joshua. The Holy Spirit is not just for the 70 elders. This thing is going to get out of control. Here's where the Lord is headed. And he prays, God, let there come a day when you pour out your Spirit on all your people and all your people prophesy. And Moses' prayer becomes Joel's prophecy as you see the progression. 
And Joel is prophesying in Judah, and, and they hadn't yet made this transition. And I want you to understand how radical this prophecy of Joel would have seemed to the Jews in Judah when he says, there's coming a day afterward. I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters. By the way, don't ever call your children the church of the future. They're the church now. They don't get a junior Holy Spirit. In fact, make sure you're taking time to pray over your kids and release them to minister and teach them to move in their gifts. We actually used to give our children's ministry a service once every three months, and our kids would come in, and they would ask for words, and and they would pray over our people. And we would have ministry times with kids praying over adults that was incredible. And so Joel is prophesying that this is coming. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men, thank God we're not left out. You're going to dream some dreams. Your young men, they're going to see visions. But then, catch this, ladies. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And so Moses' prayer becomes Joel's prophecy. And then the progression, you know that Jesus promises that the Spirit is going to be poured out. And, and in John chapter 20, Jesus said to the disciples, this is post-resurrection, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In other words, in like manner, as the Spirit came upon Jesus, you need the Holy Spirit to move out on this issue. And so uh, Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And so this, along with the Matthew 28 Great Commission, as we learned yesterday, it's the initiation of the church age. It's the beginning of the new covenant era. It's the moment of regeneration the spirit indwelling the disciples. But then just a few weeks later, this is again post-resurrection and prior to the ascension, Jesus appears to the disciples again in Acts chapter 1. And he says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now remember, they'd already had the John 20 experience. Jesus breathes on them, says, receive the Holy Spirit. But now he shows up just prior to his ascension. He's guys, he, and he's saying, look guys, don't do any ministry. Wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And when he does, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and I, I said this yesterday in the seminar uh, that I think in this moment, Peter kind of turns to John and he goes, well, wait a minute. Remember he breathed on us, said, receive the Holy Spirit. I thought we had it. I thought it was done. And now he's saying, wait, don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. John, what's going on here? And again, again, this is a fictional conversation, but I can imagine John saying, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. That's why I'm going to wait another 40, 50 years until I write my gospel. I figure it out theologically. But I sense what Jesus is saying is this. Don't ever grow complacent in past experience. But always say, God, I need fresh anointing. I need fresh coming upon power for this next season. You see, just like John Barker stood and said, you know what, at 80 years of age, I'm not done yet. God's got more for me. That's the kind of spirit that we want to have as his disciples. And so we see the filling of the Holy Spirit is given to carry the burden of the people. Not only to carry the burden of people, but to carry the mission of God that uh, we're to be as witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth to empower Christians after their salvation. And remember this, this power of the Holy Spirit is going to move from exclusivity to inclusivity. Exclusivity to inclusivity. It's not just the old, 
It's the young. It's not just the parents. It's the sons and the daughters. It is not just the men. It's the men and the women. The empowering of the Holy Spirit is coming upon all of us. Well, this thing continues, and we get to Acts chapter 2, and we spent some time on Acts chapter 2 yesterday. We won't spend a long time here, but I love this passage. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, uh, let me say something about this. This is a wonderful moment in the life of the church. This is the first empowerment, but it's not the last empowerment. Because in Acts chapter 4, these same disciples that got filled in Acts chapter 2, guess what? They get filled again. And, and yes, there's always evidence when the Spirit of God comes upon people. Here, there's tongues of fire, the, the mighty rushing wind, the, the tongues is breaking out. Acts chapter 4, there's joy unspeakable and full of glory that begins to get poured out. There's boldness in witnessing. There's always evidence. I'm uncomfortable making any one gift the evidence. What I would rather say is, I want all the evidence that God has that I am a person who has been empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, the gifts of the Spirit. Yes, boldness. Yes, holy living. Yes, a desire to seek His face. Certainly the fruit of the Spirit, the joy, the love, the peace, the mercy. I want everything that the Spirit of God has. And in an ongoing way, this is to continue. After Pentecost, Peter stands up. And I love this first sermon. He stands up and he raises his voice and he says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain what's happening to you. Listen carefully now to what I say because in Acts 2.15, hear this, these people are not drunk with wine, as you suppose. No, 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 it's only nine o'clock in the morning. I I love this. I mean, in other words, there was such a, a presence of the Holy Spirit on these people that Everyone around them knew that something had happened to them. And they were acting so different that they're thinking, my gosh, they've started drinking already. Look at these people. In fact, I want to get a shirt. I said said this out in Omaha, and a guy got me the shirt, so I actually have it. It just doesn't fit anymore, so I need a smaller shirt now. But uh, I want to get a shirt that says, it's 9 o'clock somewhere, Acts (laughs) 2.15. Now, okay, church people. If you like that joke, it means you not only come to church, but you listen to Jimmy Buffett, okay? It's 5 o'clock somewhere, um, and that's another sermon, so we'll move on from there, okay? Um, but what Peter is saying is, no, 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 this is the presence and empowering of the Holy Spirit changing these people, transforming them, and it is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. They will prophesy. So folks, this progression from exclusivity to inclusivity, that's why I think we've got to begin to release and give it away. You see, there's two kinds of leadership. There's the leadership that says, oh, keep it, preserve it. It's, it's Joshua. Make them stop. Get this under control. But then there's a the leadership of Moses that says, no, 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 let's give it away. We need all God's people to have this. And, and that's the kind of leadership that's called for in, in this day. And then Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, catch this, people in Chicago region. This gift 
This outpouring is for you and your children and all who are far off. And I think that far off is not just in geographical distance, but it's in the ages to come. Even as far up as 2018, Peter was prophesying that that outpouring of the Holy Spirit was for us too. It's for us. And so the disciples did not hoard this gift like they were the only ones to get it, like they were the special ones, like this made them the superstars. No, freely they received and freely they gave. And the attitude of people who receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit is not to become superstars, but to then begin to give away what they freely received. Because this treasure, this treasure we've received, it's in earthen vessels. That's all we are. We're just clay pots. But we are to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and then give it away. Freely we receive, freely we give. There's one other passage I want to show you. That's in Acts chapter 8. I love this passage because the apostles heard Samaria had also accepted the word of God. Meaning, Samaria, the region of the country where a good Jew did not travel. Why? Because the people there had intermarried with people of other faith and their Jewish faith had been watered down through syncretism. And and so a good Jew uh, from Judea or Galilee on the northern side hated Samaria, hated Samaritans. And, And so now this prophecy of Joel is coming and it's not just the young, it's not just the old, it's not just the men, it's not just the women But now you're kind of stretching the boundaries of how far this inclusivity is going to go. What? Samaritans had received the word of God. And they heard that that disciples were being raised up, disciples of Jesus. And so they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there. Again, as we learned yesterday, if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is the agent of regeneration. The Holy Spirit is indwelling you. But the Holy Spirit has more for you. He wants to come upon you. He wants to empower you. He wants to give you more for the next season. And so these are new believers, and they prayed for them that they might receive the more that the Holy Spirit had for them. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Folks, listen. I love salvation testimonies. And I love baptism services. But as I said yesterday, if your salvation and your baptism is the pinnacle of your Christian experience, I got news for you, God's got more for you. You see, salvation is the doorway into the things of God. It's only the beginning. And as glorious as it is to sing about our salvation and testify about it, it is not the pinnacle of what God wants to do. It's just the beginning. And so with these disciples, they place their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. God's got more for you. Let me tell you one last story, and then we'll pray. I shared yesterday afternoon that uh, when I went into ministry in 1986, uh, I worked through the fall of 86, and by Christmas, I was ready to give up. And I told my wife, I'm burned out, I'm tired, I can't do this anymore, there's got to be more. And uh, my disciples at this little church in Connecticut sent me to a conference. And they sent me to a conference that was on the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't part of my denomination, so they sent me outside my denomination to go to this conference. Because I'll be honest, there wasn't much happening in my denomination. And, uh, and, and I was pretty nervous going to this conference. Uh, I went into this conference, and, and these people were worshiping, not with hymnals like we did, 
Um, again, this is the 80s, and I was from a conservative church in New England, and we had an organ on one side and a piano on the other, and we sang out of hymnals. And, uh, and that was convenient when you were dating a girl because you got to share the hymnal, okay? And you could kind of hold her hand underneath the hymnal, you know? So things you guys have been robbed of with modern worship, okay? Uh, and, and so uh, I go into this conference, and these people are singing uh, off words that were being projected on these newfangled inventions called overhead projectors, okay, and uh, with transparencies, and, and, and they, were, they were lifting up their hands in worship, something we never did. In fact, we actually lowered the fans in our church to keep those kind of people out. <laughs> you can always spot the charismatics. They had no fingers, okay? And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm realizing, man, I don't know what this is, but I am so hungry for God. There's got to be more. And so I told you yesterday, uh, the first night, I went forward. I wanted prayer. And there was a guy there on the ministry team named Joe Joe Langford. He had a ministry badge, said, I'm trained to pray for people, okay? Ministry team member. And he comes up to me and he said, son, are you ready to be filled with the love of the Father? And I said, yeah, I'm ready. And he said, no, you're not ready. Come back tomorrow and I'll pray for you. So he walked away, didn't even pray for me, so I went back to my seat. Like, I don't know who trained you? You know, this is terrible, you know. Next night, same thing. Son, are you ready to be filled with the love of the Father? Yes, I'm ready. No, I don't think you're ready. Come back tomorrow. Maybe I'll pray for you tomorrow. He, he did this to me Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. I was ready to punch him by Wednesday night. Um, because I, I, was, I was desperate. But what was happening is I was getting more and more desperate And I think when you begin to get desperate, you say, God, do anything you need to do in me to get me ready for everything you want to do through me. You see, over the years, I've read lots of books on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of them are not that helpful. In fact, I read one, well, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to confess all known sin, you have to fast, you have to pray, you have to read your Bible every day, you have to do this, you have to do that. And I remember thinking, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to do all this stuff. And it frustrated me. I've now come to believe that there's one prerequisite for the filling of the Holy Spirit, and that's desperation. It's that prayer of Moses, God, I can't do this without you. And I can't move to this next season. I can't be a parent. I can't be a leader. I can't be a pastor. I can't do what you've called me to do. God, you've got to give me more. Well, on the Friday night of that conference, I, uh, I went forward. In fact, the call was for pastors who were ready to give up. You were burned out, and, and I qualified. I was ready to say, I'm done, I'm quitting. And I went forward, and I was praying, oh, God, send me anybody to pray for me but this guy Joe, all right? Please. In fact, I, I think I tried to hide from him. <laughs> but who shows up in front of me? This was uh, a Friday in February of 1987, 31 years ago last month, I remember it like it was yesterday, and Joe comes up to me and he looks at me and he says, son, are you ready to be filled with the love of the Father? And that night, instead of saying yes, when I went to say yes, what came out of my mouth was just sobbing, and I broke. Now, I don't know what that guy saw on Monday through Thursday, but he sensed a check in his spirit that God was getting me ready, and he was... And he was to wait. And in the midst of that waiting, God was doing something in me that got me from my yes answer to my, oh God, I'm desperate. I've got to have you. I don't have it figured out. I don't understand it. 
And Joe prayed over me. And again, I've, I've said this over the weekend. This that I'm telling you is descriptive, not prescriptive, because I believe when the Holy Spirit comes, it doesn't always look like Acts chapter 2. Sometimes it looks like Acts chapter 4. Sometimes it looks like the Spirit coming upon Jesus with a gentle dove. Sometimes it's a quiet whisper. Sometimes it's what happened to me, but God touches us all in different ways. So this is descriptive, not prescriptive. But it was like the top of my head got pulled off and the love of God just got poured in. And I felt like I am his son. I am sealed by his spirit. And, and the presence of God and his love changed me forever. I came home from that conference and, and Wanda looked at me when I got off the plane, my wife, and she said, something happened to you. What happened to you? I said, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. She said, do we believe in that? I said, we do now. <laughs> it's amazing how an encounter with God will change your theology, you know. Suddenly you go, okay, here we go. Friends, listen, God has more for you. And I don't know what you're facing here in this region, but I do know this. God has fresh anointing, a fresh wind of his spirit that he wants to pour out upon his people. So would you stand with me? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. But I want to pray over you. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I know you, you may not all be comfortable with this, but you know I, I had four teenagers at once, and when they would come up to me and they would hold out their hands, I knew they either wanted the keys to the car or money. Okay, um, but they they were not ashamed to use their body language to support their request, and so they would often hold out their hand and say, "Dad, Dad, I have need. Dad, would you help me?" And I got to tell you something, as hard as it is to raise teenagers, there's something in a father's heart that is awakened when his children say, Dad, I need you. And if we, being evil, give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Father in heaven send the Holy Spirit, pour out the Holy Spirit on his kids? So if you would just hold out your hands to your dad, to your Abba, Dad, we can't do this alone. Abba, I am thankful for how you filled me in 1987. But Lord, 2018, it's a new year and I need more, God. I cannot carry the burden that you've placed on me alone. I need you. And my friends here in this region, they can't carry the burden alone. And certainly, God, we can't carry the mission of God that you've given us. So come, Holy Spirit, fill your people. Come, Holy Spirit, refresh your people. Come, Holy Spirit, give us the anointing we need for this next season with our children, for this next season with our church, for this next season with our ministry. We want to carry the mission of God, but we can't do it alone. So come, Holy Spirit. Now, people of God, let them fill you. Let them refresh you. He's here. Pour it out, Holy Spirit. Lord, with some right now, you're, you're pulling the top of their heads off. You're pouring in an ocean of your love, an ocean of your love. There's others, Lord, it's like a, a gentle irrigation, like just the dripping of your spirit. That's okay. Lord, we love however you want to be poured out. There's others of you, it just feels like the dew of his presence that's coming upon you.
Just receive. Let him touch. And some of you, you may be on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, Lord, I think I'm ready, but maybe I'm not. And so, Lord, would you make me ready? Would you do whatever you need to do in me so that you can pour out your spirit on me without measure? Fresh ways, fresh anointing. Remove the blockages, God. Remove the things that are hindering. So, Lord, we rebuke fear in Jesus' name. We will not be like Joshua. We will be like Moses. We're not going to be, Moses, make them stop, leaders. We're going to be, Father, pour out your spirit on all your people. Let all your people prophesy. Freely we receive. Freely we give. Let them love you, church. Let them fill you. God's got more for you. God's got more for you. Don't get stuck. Don't get passive. I want to hear in the days and weeks and months to come that these two churches, man, they are leaning in like that old 80-year-old guy. They're like, God, you got more for me. You're not done yet. You're not done. I want it all, Lord. I don't want to get to heaven and look back in the light of your glory and say, oh, God, I lived such a safe life. I'm sorry I didn't take the risks that you had for me. No, no, no. I, I want to leave it all on the playing field, Lord. When I get to glory, I want to look back and say, man, I did it all. I did everything the Father assigned me to do. And I did it not in my own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. So today's the day. Today's the day we begin. Right now, he's lifting depression off some of you. He's lifting hopelessness off some of you. He is the carrier of the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is coming upon you. Let the joy anointing come upon your people. Now sweep across this place with the joy of the Lord. Let it come. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, he's the lifter of your head. Awakening the dreams that the Father has for you. Father, I call forth the dreams that the enemy has tried to kill dreams of life and ministry, dreams for the future. And the world, the flesh, and the devil have snuffed them out. And so now be the dream awakener, Holy Spirit. Awaken the dreams of God within your people. Let's just worship you. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.